0: This morning, I want to continue to talk about prayer. And today, I want to talk about when you pray. When you pray. <laughs> Notice, it's not if you pray. The Bible never says if you pray. It says when you pray. So obviously, we need to pray. Now, we've been talking about prayer for the past few weeks. And, and, and we've talked about prayer with Jesus being the primary focus of his prayer life was relationship. Relationship that he had. Jesus is a man with God his Father. His God, his father was not Joseph, it was his heavenly father. And so Jesus had to develop and maintain and protect his relationship as a man with his heavenly father. And We spent a day talking about that, then we talked the next week about protecting this relationship and how important it is that we, as we develop a relationship like Jesus that he had with his father, we also can have that same relationship with our heavenly father and how important it is that we protect that. Because there is an enemy that will steal that. There is an enemy that wants to destroy us and take that relationship away. And so we have to be diligent in our, not just developing the relationship, but also in protecting the relationship. And then last week we spoke about persistence, daily prayer, how important it is that we stay connected to the Lord in prayer on a regular basis. So today I want to talk about how we do this. When we pray, what do we pray like? What is the meaning of that? And give it, And we're, we're going to go through an example here in, uh, in, in the Old Testament about what it means to pray, okay? And, and we're going to um, hopefully learn some new things. Our text today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we are just asking now what it means to pray in secret. What does it mean to be in the prayer closet? And what does closet prayer look like? And how do we glean from this? And where are we going to go with this? And I pray, Father, you just open our hearts and our mind and our spiritual ears and eyes to hear what you have to say today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So what does this kind of prayer look like in real life? What does it mean to go into your closet and pray in secret? What does it mean? Does this mean that we're going to come out of that closet in a Superman outfit? That all of a sudden all the problems of life are going to vanish and we're going to be superheroes and we're going to be able to uh, answer all the questions of our life and we're going to be living above all the problems of this world? Is that what it means to be in closet prayer? Why, well, I wish it was, don't you? Man, I wish that was the reality of it all. I wish that I could spend a, an hour or two in my daily closet and then come out and not have to have the problems of this world and be just life would be grand. Wouldn't that be cool? It's coming. That day is coming, by the way, but not right now. We're in the middle of the battle. So what does it mean? In fact, in fact the reality is, and I don't want I, I to go down this path too much, but we have to acknowledge it. The reality is that we can pretty much plan on things getting a little bit harder, When you start to pray, I I don't want you to get discouraged. But the fact of the matter is that when you pray, you're going to have an adversary standing against you to say what you prayed about is not going to happen. We have an enemy that is sure to stand against us and to bring as much confusion and distraction that he can because he hates it when I pray. He hates it when you pray. When you go into your prayer closet, you have just kicked the devil right in the gut. And he's not going to take it lightly. So get ready. Get ready that he's going to come back and he's going to try to disrupt you and he's going to try to distract you and he's going to try to make you think that wasn't worth it. Not a very good idea. But hang on, we're going to get to the good news here. Jesus told his disciples just that fact. In fact, if you turn in your Bible to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. This is quite an interesting dialogue here Jesus is having with his disciples. Let's pick it up in verse 29. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Well, Jesus was speaking parables. And you know how parables can be. Finally, he says, Now you're speaking without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Now Jesus says in verse 31, do you now believe? Jesus replied. So finally, what Jesus is saying here, guys, you're finally getting it. You're right. I am from God. All right, now Jesus goes on and he says, a time is coming and in fact has come When you will be scattered, each to your own home, and you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not all alone, for my Father is with me. Verse 33, But I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is making it very clear to his disciples. After his disciples finally got it, After they finally realized that Jesus was who he said he was and he is the savior of the world coming, but Jesus says, guys, now that you get it, now let me tell you some more things. You're going to be hit hard. The devil's going to come hard against you. But don't worry about it. Take peace because trouble is coming, but I am greater than the world. And I'm going to overcome it and you're going to be right there with me. So I just want you to know What's going to be like, and that's all I'm doing this morning as well. I just want us to understand the setting here, that Jesus is all about us, and He's all about us being victorious. But we are still in the battle times. We are still in the we are still in the Middle Earth, if you will, if <laughs> you're if you're a, if you're a um, Lord of the Rings fan. Okay, we're still in the Middle Earth, and we're being attacked, and and and, and we're going to have lots of battles here as we're battling where we're going until we get to that final time the time is coming jesus wants us to see the big picture the big picture of life but he says something at the end of that passage is very very important he says but take heart i have overcome the world so when we pray when we pray understand the battle is just beginning don't be alarmed don't be set back Don't be taken back when you get up out of your prayer life and go on to your day and something bad happens after you spent time in prayer. It's just going to know. It's just coming. But know that we are the victors. Know that we are going to win. And it is going to work out. So just hang in there. All right? So let's talk a little bit more about when we pray, what does it look like? What does it really look like to get into the closet prayer that God's talking about here? Okay? First of all, let's define closet prayer. Closet prayer is different than praying for my meal. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Bless the hands that have prepared it. Amen, I'm going to eat. That's nice, but that's not closet prayer. Closet prayer is intentional, pre-planned, dedicated, committed, persistent prayer. And it's going to be persistent as long as the battle rages. It's not going to give up. It's not going to say, I'm done, I'm out. No, but it's going to press in. We begin every day in a time of prayer. And, and in this daily prayer, we're building the relationship that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We're building that relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we're asking Him for wisdom and protection in everything we do. And as we pray that, okay, there does come a time where it's time to get up and get out, where we then got to go in the world. You know, we don't spend 24 hours in prayer. That would be a monk. And we're not that. We're people. And we have to live relevant lives and we have to get on with our life. So we pray, then we get on with our day. But we're praying God's protection in this relationship all the time. We're putting on the prayer filter that we talked about last week. Last week we talked about our minds have have to have, when we go in a daily continual effort of prayer, it is not um, praying the Lord's Prayer on a continual basis, repeating it over and over and over. That would be impractical. I can't do that. But I can put a prayer filter on my mind that everything that comes to my mind, I run it through this filter and say, is this from the Lord? Is this something that that the Lord would want me to think about? Is this something that I should be dwelling on? Is this something that I need to take captive and destroy it? Or is this something that I allow to build up my life and to glorify Jesus? That's the prayer filter. And we need to put that on a a 24-hour basis. We don't ever take that off. You take that off and problems really start. That's a whole different sermon. So we want to live that way in a a lifestyle of praying through and in all situations. And prayer becomes that priority in our lives. It's the most important thing that we do. It's the most important thing that we can't start our day without getting our relationship with the Lord straight. And I may have to ask for forgiveness. I may have to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I I, kind of slipped yesterday because we can have a tendency to do that. But when I pray that way, and when I ask for forgiveness and repentance, he's faithful, and he will forgive, and he'll say, okay, now let's carry on. Now let's keep on going. And we do that. I want to give an example this morning about how prayer like this might look. So let's go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. Beginning at verse 8. The Amalekites... When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other side, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now, this is really an interesting passage here. I mean, I, I can just see it in my mind's eye what's going on, and I can just see um, you know, Moses with his hands raised, and I can see the battle going on below, and they're winning, and all of a sudden he drops his hands, and all of a sudden they start to lose. And one thing is, I would hate to be that Israelite that was fighting at the sword when Moses dropped his hand because somebody died. <laughs> somebody just died right there, and Moses said, oh man, okay, we're winning now. <laughs> I mean, it had to be an amazing sight to, to see the things that happened in those Old Testament stories. Why, is this, why, why did God do it that way? Why did, have, why did God have to have Moses go up on the hill and stand with his arms raised all day long while the Israelites fought the battle? I mean, why didn't God just say, Hey, Israel, you're my children. You're my chosen ones. And I'm going to fight this battle for you. And I'm just going to go down there and wipe out the Amalekites. Will y'all go up on top of the hill with Moses and have lunch and watch? He could have done it that way. I mean, God didn't have to have... Joshua go down there with his boys and defeat him. It, God didn't depend on that, but he chose to do it that way while he chose to have Moses stand up with his hands raised in an attitude of prayer. And I'm thinking he chose it that way because we might learn something from it in 2017. I think that God has a way of looking at things like this that says, you know, I, I could have done it that way, but then I couldn't have made my point this way. So I think he's, we're going to learn some things here about what it means to pray. And we're going to see some, three, uh, some elements here. Three things, three key points that I want to bring out today is that number one, God uses people in his plans. God uses you. God uses me. God, use, God uses people. Number two, every person's role is very important to God no matter how small their role is. And no matter how small it is, God's got a plan and purpose for you. And then number three, with these two key points understood, closet prayer is ultimately the key to the victory in our lives, physically and spiritually. So let's jump in here. Number one, God uses people to get things done. And there are roles in the body of Christ that must be filled for victory. In this story, we see four people mentioned by name, Moses, Joshua, Aaron, and Her. Okay, four men were were mentioned, and each one of them had a very important role in the battle. Each one of them had a, a specific agenda that they were to follow. And if any one of them would have walked out of it, if any one of them would have walked out of their role, there would have been a disaster that day. Imagine, okay, you got Aaron and her on one side raising Moses' arms, and imagine one of those guys saying, you know, this is kind of silly. Why am I holding this old man's arms up when Joshua's down there fighting? I need to go help Joshua fight. So all of a sudden, he drops and he takes off and he goes to help Joshua fight. And Moses' arm drops. Well, he probably would get killed. <laughs> but, or if they said, what a silly thing and I'm out of here. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I got my own things to do. This isn't really necessary. I've got better things to do with my time than to stand here all day holding up your arms. I mean, come on, Moses. You're the leader. It's your problem. Figure it out. Keep your arms up. It's your problem. You deal with it. Or if Joshua down there, who's fighting the battle, would have looked up on the hill and saw those three slackers up there doing nothing, he said, Hey, I'm risking my life down here with sword and shield, and you guys are up there doing nothing. I'm done. You know, I mean, if, if any of these would have stepped out of their role, of their responsibility, it would have been a catastrophic day that day for them. But can I tell you that we're in the same kind of battle today, even though it may not be physical like that, we're in the same kind of spiritual battle today, and that you and I each have specific roles to fill in the kingdom of God, and when we decide not to fill it, what happens to the battle? People start dying. There's things that fail when I fail. It's bigger than me. So often we think that my life is only about me. What I do only matters to me. It doesn't have any other impact on anybody else. Well, if Aaron would have thought that and said, hey, it's all about me, I'm going to take off. And Aaron and Heard left Moses up there. His, there's no way Moses could have stood all day with his arms up. And they would have fallen and Israel would have lost because they had better things to do. Well, we're in the same battle today, guys. And, and until we see that, until we see how important the body of Christ is, and how we need to come and be part of the team and part of the of the battle team that we're gonna that wins, we're gonna be frustrated, and people are gonna die. We are in a very consumeristic world. The worldview around us is: if there isn't something in it for me, then I'm out. If I'm not getting my thrills, if I'm not getting my jollies, if I'm not getting it, if I'm, my needs aren't met the way I feel they should be, then I'm going to find another church. Or I'm going to just not go to church anymore. I'm just going to spend my time doing other things. I'm so busy in my life that I don't have time to spend with church people. I'm so busy. My life is so busy. And if I don't get something out of it, I'm not going to go to Wednesday night prayer. I'm not going to go to Bible study. I'm not going to go to church. I'm just, I'm, I'm out of it, you know. Well, unfortunately, this mindset of consumerism has crept into the church, and many churches are infiltrated with a consumerism mindset to say, "Hey, if it's not good, if what can I get out of it? If it's not, if it's not for, about me, I'm done." Forgive us for that, Lord. See, this is God's church just like the Israelites were God's people. And God has a plan, but his plan is to use people in the church just like he used people to save Israel. He's going to use us. You have a purpose. You have a role to fill in the church. And if you're not filling it, there's a problem. And the problem is, it's really serious for you. I mean, go back to our text. It says, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's not miss that point. So hopefully we understand here that, that as we find our definitive roles and purposes, that we will see the importance of them and we will be diligent in doing them even if nobody else sees them other than God the Father. Okay, point number two. Every person's role is very important to God no matter how small they think their role is. This is really important because we miss it when we don't think that what I do is very important. We must be faithful with a little if we are ever going to be trusted with a lot. That's a biblical concept. Can I tell you that no matter how big your role or how small your role is in a a church, It's very important to God. Very important to Him that He sees your faithfulness. And maybe you don't think so. Maybe you have this little voice that comes to you that says, you're not that important. Being a greeter, working in a nursery, sleeping floors, whatever it is, that's not very important. And... He says to you, nobody cares. Nobody sees it. Nobody thinks anything of you. Now, can I ask you, who is telling you that? Is that the Holy Spirit whispering to you? Does the Holy Spirit whisper those little nothings in you that says you're useless? (laughs) I have no purpose for you. No, that's not the... You know who that is? That's the devil. Let's just be clear about it. That's the enemy. The Holy Spirit would say something like this. Hey do you know how much I love you? Do you know how much I, have, I, I, I care for you? Do you know how much I appreciate it when I see you doing those little things that nobody ever sees you doing? Do you know how much I appreciate it, the fact that I see you doing right when everyone else is doing wrong? Do you know how much I appreciate it when you serve me in the ways that you do? I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. I'm so grateful that you've chosen to serve me in the little things. That's the way the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And then he says something that's even cooler. Hey, because you've been so faithful with such little things, I'm going to bless you beyond your imagination. I'm going to give you more responsibility. (laughs) Now, for most people, that'll say, I don't want more responsibility. (laughs) No, just give me the blessing. I don't want the responsibility. Just give me the blessing. But he says, no, I'm going to give you more responsibility because you've been faithful with a little. I will be there when the bigger responsibility comes so that you will be able to accomplish more than you ever imagined you thought you could accomplish. There is nothing, I don't think, that's more fulfilling than when I do a task and do it well and look at back and say, wow, that was pretty good. How fulfilled you are when you do a good day's work. That's good. Luke chapter 16 Beginning at verse 10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? See, the choice is ours. It's in our life's attitudes and about how are we going to pray and how are we going to take responsibility in the little things so that God will be Faithful to us in the big things. Are we personally, as a church or as a person, being faithful with God has given us? Are we passing the test of being a good steward of our resources, including our time? You know our time is the biggest resource you have? Money, you can lose it and you can make more money. But you never can make more time. Once time is gone, it's gone. There's nothing you can do to make it up. Nothing you can do to get a redo. Time, our most important element. Are we, are we passing the test of stewardship with our time? Okay, big questions. And that takes us to number three. Prayer, the key element. Prayer is the heartbeat of God. God is a communicator, proven through the way he communicates between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Between the Trinity, they're constantly communicating, never missing a beat. God wants to communicate to us. Do you know that? God has not created the world, set it in motion, and then just gone back to his little place in the universe and just let us spin wildly out of control down here. He doesn't care. That's called deism. God is not a deistic God. He's a theistic God. We are, whereas he is involved with our lives and he wants to be involved He created us, he set us in motion, and he wants to be part of your daily life. He is a communicator. And as we've defined prayer, simply as a a man communicating with God, that's all it is. It's very simple. We communicate. It's a two-way street. We pray and we listen. It's more than just dumping on God what we want and then running. It's more than just throwing up our wish list and then saying, we're going to move on. The commentary says this, as Moses prayed, it showed Israel's strength and victory depended on their faith in God. They showed this by prayer and obedience. In this situation, when Moses stopped praying, God's power stopped flowing. When Moses stopped praying, God's power stopped flowing. See, God's power flows in my life when I'm a praying person. When I pray, it motivates God. When I pray, when I take the time to spend time first in my prayer life, that's when I get God's strategy in my heart. There's there, there there's coming a time to get into battle, but our priority must be prayer first, action second. Prayer first, action second. And I I'm very guilty of this. I'm sure many are as well with me. But the sad thing is that most of the time, we're guilty of just getting into the day's activities without spending time in prayer. We just say, God, we got to get on with things. We got we got life. To, we got things to do. I mean. Gosh, it's almost getting close to 12 o'clock. We've got things to do. All right? All right, I'm going to figure out how to shorten this up. See, Moses could have thought the best plan of attack for the day was to say a quick prayer and then run down and join Joshua in a battle. But that's not God's plan. It, it wouldn't have worked well that day. So often, we jump out of our prayer closet and into our wardrobe closet before we take the time to hear what the Lord's trying to tell us to do. And the Lord said, That's not my plan. I think He knows about our busy schedule. And I think that He knows that if we would just take the time to ask, that He'll reward us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, it's a very widely quoted scripture but it's often forgot about. We quote it, but do we really know what it means? Jesus is encouraging here active patience in our prayer. Active patience. Now, what does that mean? Active patience. We often think that patience is a time of inactivity, which is really hard for people. It's hard. People like commotion. They like action. They like things to be moving forward. I hate to sit in traffic. I, I will take a detour just so that I can keep moving, thinking I'm going to get there faster. And I might have gone ten miles further and get there half an hour later rather than sit and wait for that traffic to clear up. Anybody with me? Yeah. See, we like commotion. We like activity. But God says, "Now, I need active patience. Patience is a virtue. Just be with me in prayer." Chris, stop telling stories. I can't talk about you, so you can't talk about me. <laughs> God is waiting for us to be quiet in our prayer time. You know, that, there is that, that holy silence that's very awkward. We come together on Wednesday nights and we pray, and if it's th- more than 30 seconds of somebody talking, like, eyes are open, what's going on? How come we're not talking? And the Lord said, yeah, act of patience, just sit in my presence, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Asking, seeking, knocking. Asking means that we, are to, that we recognize our need and that as we ask God to meet, that we trust that God hears our prayers and he's in a process of answering. Seeking means that our request is in earnest and we are willing to obey God and pursue his purposes when he responds with an answer or an instruction. We're seeking, we're active. Knocking means that we keep bringing the request to God even when he doesn't appear to be responding as quickly as we think he should be. Prayer is a continual process of seeking, asking, and knocking, and it's not a sign that we don't have faith. Active patience is no way a lack of faith, but it's a way for us to stay connected to our Father and to keep that prayer door open, that, that relationship door. It's proving the fact that we are recognizing him as our source of the solution that we so badly need and that we are hungry to receive all that he has for us. Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Spend our time seeking first him. Relationship. And then all these things will be given to you. It's so much more effective when we pray that way. It's so much more effective when we start our day off that way. We live our life in an attitude of seeking the Lord first. And when you pray, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have... We know that we have what we asked of Him. Now, let's let's read this slowly, one more time. Read this with me slowly. Read every word. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Did I skip any words? So often we skip words when we we read the Bible. This is really cool. This is like, man, I'm a kid in a candy store, and I'm going in and I want every piece of candy here, and I want the Reese's, I want the Butterfingers, I want the M&M's, I want them all. I'm just going to keep filling the cart because God says if I ask for anything, he's going to give it to me. But I missed four very important words. What did I miss? According to his will wow, you mean God's got something to say about this? You mean God's got something to say about my prayer time? Jackie, would you come, please? The four key words to prayer, when we pray according to His will. When I can get my heart so close to the heart of the Father that I start praying His desires, I start praying his will. That is closet prayer. That is being like Moses standing up on the hill with my hands lifted up in an attitude of prayer all day long while the battle rages and we win. That was his will. But when I start saying, God, you know, that's too much for me. That's too fanatical for me. Uh, That's too much time for me. No, I'm going to put my hands down. I'm going to jump in myself and figure it out myself. All of a sudden, the battle starts going awry and then I start saying, God, wait, 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 come bail me out. And God said, "It's not my will. You're not following my will. You're not praying my will. When I pray God's will, the battles are won. How do I know God's will? I know God's will when I spend time in prayer listening to him. When I give him the time. When I, give that, when I have the relationship. Another commentary says, when we pray, we are to focus on who God is and what he can accomplish through our lives if we are in right relationship with him. Praying with such awareness will increase our faith and dependence on God. As we grow deeper in relationship with God and better understand his character, we will better understand his desires and purposes as well. Powerful words. When I pray and I get to know God's character and I get to know what he wants, And I pray that over my desires. I'm a powerful man. I'm a powerful Christian. Devil's going to flee. Demons are going to flee. Problems are going to seem minor now because I have the will of God in my life. God is faithful and he always answers prayer. So if you find yourself maybe seemingly getting prayers that are unanswered in your life, I would encourage you to examine your heart. Examine your life. Look at your prayer time a little differently and see, when was the last time? When was the last time that you went into the prayer closet and you didn't come out until you had the answer? When was the last time you spent more than 10 minutes? I was talking to David. David, I went back and did some research what you said. The average amount of time that a person prays, according to Barna, This blew me away. The average amount of time a person prays a day, according to Barna, is one minute. The average amount of time that a pastor prays in a day is five minutes. Seriously. What kind of prayer life is that? What kind of power are people going to have if that's all the time that we spend in prayer? Now, I'm hoping that we're well above the average on all of this. But it does make me aware of the fact that if I am not spending time with the Father, getting to know his character, getting to know what he wants, then how in the world can I be an effective Christian in this crazy world? When I pray, oh, when I pray, I have to be closet prayer. I have to be dedicated, I have to be committed, I have to be intentional, and I have to say, God, nothing's going to keep me out of this prayer closet today. Nothing's going to keep me out of my relationship with you today. Nothing's going to keep me with the filter of prayer off my mind today. I'm going to put every thought through that prayer filter today, and I don't want one thing, I don't want one thing to destroy my relationship with you. That is powerful prayer, and that will make you and me powerful people in the kingdom, and people will flock to us eventually because they're going to see the truth and the power of God's word. They're not going to come here because Jackie's a great worship leader. They're not going to come here because we have a great facility. They're going to come here because they see the power of Jesus. And until we get that, we're just a club. And I don't want to be a club. Would you stand with me, please? Father, I just praise your name. And Father, I repent for the times that I've rushed through the prayer times. I'm sorry that I've left you hanging. So, Father, give us another chance, please. Give us another chance to come before you and to truly seek your face. Lord, that we would develop closet prayer that would be done secretly, but then you would reward it because you see what's in the heart and you see the desires of our heart, and I pray, God, you line up our desires. Lord, that we would have your will and only your will in our hearts. Forgive us, Jesus. Let's sing the song Jack is playing.
1: To
0: Father, we just, that's our heart's desire this morning, that you will take us, Lord, and you will lead us closer. We'll be closer to you today than we've ever been in our life, and we'll be closer tomorrow than we are today. That's our prayer. So, Father, I pray as we, as we go to our homes today, and as we go and, and just enjoy what you have for us, that, Lord, that would be our prayer. Settle it in our spirit, Father, that we would get this closet prayer thing going, and it would dictate, and it would mandate, and it would be our characteristic to be a godly man and a godly woman just like you want us to be i pray blessing now over this church i pray your blessing over these people as we go as we repent as we ask forgiveness and as we then do what you're asking us to do i pray blessing in jesus name amen 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 thank you jesus